So the way I describe security in general is it's very much a loop and not a line. So I think people need to realize that as soon as they start it, they can't stop it. There is, whether you're pursuing SOC 2 or you are doing customer uh, security assessment questionnaires, those don't just happen once and then they're done. You have to maintain that SOC 2 at a station. You have to answer those questionnaires every year for the same customers. Um, and so first realizing that, that this is something that once you start, you, you can't technically stop. Welcome to the Reimagining Cyber Podcast, where we share short and to the point perspectives on the cyber landscape. It's all about engaging yet casual conversations on what organizations are doing to reimagine their cyber programs while ensuring their business objectives are top priority. With my co-host, Stan Wisseman, Head of Security Strategist, I'm Rob Borrego, Chief Security Strategist, and this is Reimagining Cyber. So Stan, who do we have joining us for this episode? Hey, Rob, Taylor Hersham is joining us today. He is the CEO and founder of Eden Data, a cybersecurity firm that focuses on the next generation of businesses that are ready to build security and privacy into their DNA. Now, Taylor started his career at Deloitte, where he focused on Fortune 500 companies and their security and compliance needs. And from there, he went on to be a CISO at Renaissance Systems, and soon thereafter identified a market opportunity that led to his launch of Eden Data, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. Taylor, it's great to have you with us. Um, if you wouldn't mind expanding a little bit more on your background for our audience. Absolutely. Stan and Rob, thank you so much for the opportunity, first of all. Um, you, you did a great job, Stan. I, I don't have too much more to add. Sold my soul uh, to the big four, started there and, and was doing IT audit, realized how awful that was and transitioned into cybersecurity right when it was becoming uh, pretty popular and uh, was able to, to learn a lot of things in a short period of time and, and touch a lot of cool brands um, in the Fortune 500 space. Um, and then when I took my uh, position at, at uh, RSI as a CISO, I was um, definitely uh, learning as I, I was drinking through a fire hose essentially and, and was able to, to work on internal security and then also start to get a taste of building security for other programs uh, and, and other uh, companies. So, I made the the brilliant decision of quitting my job the week before COVID started, and uh, that was a that was a fun adventure. So Eden Data kind of spurned uh, by accident from that, and I uh, had started to figure out I had built on Upwork and realized, oh my goodness, the startup space specifically, there's just a lot of opportunity here. There's there's a, a lot of uh, companies out there that need the help with security. They don't want to pay for the big four. They don't want to pay the big corporations. And there's this issue of consulting firms that right. uh, I mean, don't you, know you're working. Them. As you said, you sold your soul. You're working for one of those big fours. Yeah. that pretty much, pretty much, you know, serves that larger enterprise. And, you know, I guess that's the gap you identified, right? The fact that you had these smaller firms that have similar needs, but just can't afford those kind of consulting rates. Exactly. Yep. And and even just the, I'm going to charge by the hour and take as long as humanly possible to do everything. That model doesn't work so well either, whether you're big four or even the boutique consulting firms that are doing that. But specifically, I think, you know, what we'd love to talk to you about is that service that you're providing, you're, you know, that's being labeled by yourself and others as the virtual CISO. And so can you expand on what um, that is and, and, and why you think there's a need, especially for uh, the SMB market? Absolutely. So the way that I look at it is 
now in the 21st century, we're, we're in this weird stage where just about every data or every company in the world is a data company. Um, it doesn't matter if you're a, a SaaS provider or you're a flower shop down the road, you're collecting some kind of sensitive data on your uh, customers. And so um, because of that, you you need access to some kind of cybersecurity uh, help, whether that be just consulting or, or uh, have, have professionals on staff. And so that that suddenly opens the the market up to just so just countless brands out there that that need help with security and a lot of them either don't see the value in investing in a full-time resource or they can't find a full-time resource or they simply can't afford a full-time resource and so this fractional model it's not new i didn't invent it by any means um the fractional model works really well in those uh in those scenarios and so basically what that is is you're getting access to someone part-time instead of full-time to be able to come in and give you the security leadership and the security guidance that you need to be able to establish a uh, security program internally at your organization so so taylor you know that's a great niche right because the smb market has kind of been neglected from a cyber um, perspective for quite some time we we had some conversations. Uh, actually, recently we spoke with uh, Ty Sabano, who's the um, the CISO of it for Cell. He, he's it's interesting, right? So he's worked for some very large organizations through his career, and over the past few years, he's kind of pivoted into being this startup CISO. And we talked to him about you know just the speed of these are technology oriented companies. So the speed of the technology, the go to market, the time to you know drive and, and deliver new service capability or new products, and security having to be attached to that. So. Out of curiosity, right? what are you seeing on your end? Are, are you getting pulled in, I guess, from a customer perspective? Are there certain verticals that you're seeing yourselves align more with and supporting them? Are there similar kind of blueprints that you can apply to at least kind of get them started and then continue moving them along the way? And obviously realizing each business is, is different and you have to maybe make some kind of nuances, changes as you're going along the way and working and engaging with them. I think you touch on such an important point as it relates to security across the board, whether you are a startup or, or a, a huge organization, it, it, a lot of security applies the exact same across the board. And I think vendors will try to convince you otherwise. But if you go look at the cybersecurity trends of 2022 and 2021 and, and uh, further back, they're always the same. It's always people clicking on bad links. It's always cloud misconfigurations. It's always ransomware. Um, and a lot of the attack vectors are, are the same. Um, and so I think that back to your point about blueprints, absolutely, Eden Data's found uh, this, this niche of us serving SaaS startups mostly that are in all industries, but they are all in the same vertical in the sense that they provide a software service to other businesses. A lot of the technologies they use, a lot of their processes is all the same largely. And so being able to take a lot of the complexity out of out of building a security program and just bring in, hey, this is exactly what you should do. This is the technology you should use to do it. This is how often you need to execute on it. That's the guidance they're looking for. And that's what we're building. It can be um, commoditized to a certain extent because a lot of the risks impacting a healthcare startup are impacting a, a fintech startup as well. So is one of those blueprints or, or recognizing that most SaaS offerings have to go through a SOC 2 attestation? Are, are you looking at, for example, SOC 2 controls and saying, hey, this is a, at least a minimum set of things you need to be thinking about? All, all day, every day, Stan. Yes, SOC 2 is huge in the startup community. I think basically in the U.S. it's SOC 2. Beyond the U.S. it's, of course, ISO 27001. 
Um, but everybody and their mother is asking for a SOC 2 attestation report these days. And so these these poor startups down to even just a few employees are already being demanded of their uh their customers and their prospects that you need to have a SOC 2 report in place. And I, I'm sure you guys have experience with the, the SOC 2 language from the AICPA, but I mean, it's like reading Pig Latin and then you go into ISO 27001 and it's even more confusing. And so um, it's just, it's a weird time that we live in where you can be a startup that has, it's some guy and his dog and he's selling to GE. And, and like, it's just, it's a cool era uh, in terms of entrepreneurship, but that also creates implications from a security standpoint where you have to focus on security from the get-go. So, you know, so go ahead, Ron. I was just going to say, so, so I think, Till, you're, you're going into a direction I wanted to delve into a little bit deeper, which is, you're absolutely right, right? It's, it's kind of the easiest time to be able to spin up your business, right? And there's so many different platforms to be able to take advantage of. Um, Many of the different types of businesses coming to market are doing so by leveraging, you know, SaaS solutions, leveraging cloud service providers and, and so on. I wonder how many times are you guys kind of getting pulled in after the fact? And what I mean by after the fact is, you know, this organization has come up online, they're using, you know, pick a CSP, they think they have kind of the quote unquote inherent security controls all covered and they're in great shape and they don't have any worries about cyber. And then all of a sudden they realized, whoa, 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 this is a shared responsibilities model. I do have some skin in the game. And they make the call to someone like yourself and your organization to now come back in. Like, you know, what's kind of that trigger point that you're seeing out there and how much of that ties back into what their initial thoughts were with like a CSP doing it all and covering the security aspects as well. And then realizing oh, I actually on the hook for some of this stuff myself. Yeah, that's honestly, that's the majority of our business. I, I think very, very few times is someone being proactive about security. And, and fundamentally, it makes sense. You don't want to go put your money into something that you don't understand the returns for. And, you, and a lot of people think that security is purely a cost center and uh, therefore there's no return on their investment. Um, so usually what happens is they think that uh, that, that they've got security dialed in, like you said, Rob, or some people, if I had a dollar for every time I've heard, hey, uh, we use AWS and they're SOC 2 certified, so uh, I'm covered. Um, it's, it's like once they have the realization that they're not covered and they lose their first deal or they get hit with their first angry customer email um, or they even get some kind of scare from a, a regulator, uh, then they're usually suddenly shifting their their focus on what's important and what's not. Um, interestingly enough, it's usually not the first deal that they lose. It's got to be like the third or fourth. They start to realize the, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm starting to lose a lot of deals and they're all coming in at once. And all of a sudden, everybody's talking about SOC 2. And, and then they talk to vendors and they realize this is a four to six month like investment for you to at be able at to least, get started. At least, yeah. And you're just so far behind the eight ball um, that you're, you're jeopardizing a lot of deals and it seems like it happens instantly. Uh, so I, that was a long winded way to answer your question, Rob, but, uh, it, it usually is reactive instead of proactive. Yeah, exactly. No, it makes sense. I think, I think it's just people come in and you, you said it, right. They, they look at it as perceiving it as cyber specifically being a cost center, but I think there's certain elements that you can pivot into showing how it can be a competitive differentiator. It's going to enable them to win more business. As you said, right. They, it's that second, maybe third, maybe fourth contract that they just lost and realized, whoa, 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 we're losing because we're not meeting the security requirements needed of that organization. Hence, that's a great example of saying, you know, let me enable the business and support you this way. Yes. 
And I think the only thing I would add to Rob is another element that all oftentimes we see and it, it breaks our heart is that they will uh, think they can take on SOC 2 by themselves. And so they will, and, and this is like, actually SOC 2 is just an example. I think they think they can take on security by themselves. And suddenly if you go through a SOC 2 audit and you have a material finding and your report is qualified, like that loses deals. That ends up being even worse than than saying, hey, we're preparing for, for SOC 2 and we're investing in it and we'll be done by this date. Um, we, we see that quite a bit where someone already comes to us with a black eye and has to fix the the fallout that was created by that. So circling back to the virtual CISO role, um, I, ha- I had the opportunity to serve as a CISO, but it was a larger organization. Um, where Where do you see folks making that decision of either, you know, finding somebody to fit in the role full time versus leveraging a service like yours, as far as a virtual CISO kind of role or more, more of a transactional thing. Again, if, if, if what they need is a SOC 2 at a station report, then is that all they need to do? Or to your point, they, they recognize they need to do other things too, and they need to have more of a continued support. Yes, uh, that's a that's a fantastic question, Stan. So the way I describe security in general is it's very much a loop and not a line. So I think people need to realize that as soon as they start it, they can't stop it. There is whether you're pursuing SOC 2 or you are doing customer uh, security assessment questionnaires, those don't just happen once and then they're done. You have to maintain that SOC 2 at a station. You have to answer those questionnaires every year for the same customers. Um, and so first realizing that, that this is something that once you start, you, you can't technically stop. Um, I think the way that we describe it, and, and I realize I'm, I'm biased uh, here, but anytime you're, you're under 500 employees, I think that there is actually value in going the virtual route or the, the vendor route. Um, I do think that as companies get past that 500 employee mark, you need to have some kind of internal stakeholder. It doesn't necessarily need to be a CISO. We've seen people get by with compliance manager coupled with contractors. We've seen people with just senior security analysts. Um, and then I think that the, the way we'd like to describe it is your security team needs to be about 1% of your total headcount, um, 0.5 to 1%. Um, and people don't realize that that's like that's that's a pretty significant investment. So you go look at the salary of a CISO and a data compliance or a, a data privacy officer, a compliance manager. Uh, they they start to add up a lot. And I think I truly truly believe that, especially for the startup and scale up market, you can replicate and and use a lot of the. You you can usually get more value out of contractors than you can out of hiring full time. And the reason I say that for the security industry specifically is because there is a ton of volatility. There is the the whole issue of people getting poached left and right and uh, people being unfulfilled because we're all humans that that you've uh, is exacerbated in the, the security space. And then of course, the fact that people get overworked in this area. And so you start to invest a lot of money into resources that aren't all that reliable. And I don't mean that to, to not, like to knock on CISOs or security professionals by any means, but it's the reality that we're seeing. And so, at least with vendors, you you have that ability to to get dedication. People will, I guess, always take your money for lack of a better term. And so usually the smaller companies can get by for a long time with using third parties. Taylor, one of the things that I'd like to kind of get your your thoughts on and um, it'd be interesting to hear how you're working with your customers on this is around the topic of cyber insurance, right? And And We've seen such major changes in this past year and the costs associated to policies and, you know, they're really 
turning up the screws and, and, and increasing the requirements, right? Of course, but also like, you know, now that means these organizations, a lot of them that you're working with are now needing to put further investment into some different tooling and so on and so forth. What role do you play? Do you, do you come in and kind of even negotiate some of those different policies? Do you, you know, go through and you work out of curiosity with maybe some other third parties that kind of have, you know, tie in with cyber insurance plus solutioning tied together, just out of curiosity, kind of what's the world of cyber insurance as it relates to the customer base you're engaged with? Yes, we are pulled in on the cyber insurance discussions because we usually are the ones filling out the application, at least on the the supplemental uh, side. So filling out the questionnaire on what's in place today. Um, And then we're typically working with the cyber insurance provider to say, hey, what what do we need to change in the near term to be able to, to lower this rate? Um, and then we're usually using the the discretion of the insurance provider to be able to um, provide a quote on how much coverage a customer needs. And it's kind of tied. Ultimately, people think it's tied to revenue. And, and the way that we look at it is actually a tied to how many records you hold, how, how many production records of PHI, PII that you hold. Um, and there's a calculation that we do to be able to to produce an estimate on how much insurance you should be holding. We also help with like that. This is something that people need to look out for, but a lot of the cyber insurance claims have gone up dramatically and they're removing coverage benefits. So uh, a lot of them are trying to remove the clause about having an incident response team and being able to um, have like some of them uh, will offer you discounts on on endpoint solutions, on on uh, security solutions in general. Uh, but they're as as cyber insurance providers are losing their bums on all of these breaches, they're starting to get smart with their language and what they will cover and what they will not. Um, we've seen some horror stories there, so we usually get involved on uh, on the the post mortem as well. So Taylor, our our podcast name is Reimagining Cyber, and you've already discussed some of the aspects of where you think cyber is going. Right, um, you know your your service around virtual CISOs is an example of rethinking what's needed and how to provide that as a service to customers. Right, where where else do you think you know the next phase of of growth or change is occurring, and how are you going to help dr- address it? Uh, oh my goodness, I could could probably go an hour here, but I'll talk. Uh... <laughs> couple things, uh, Stan. So the, the way, one of the big trends that I'm looking forward to is automation in the sense of automating controls and procedures. So the biggest issue to security right now is human error and negligence. And so if we can remove some of those factors altogether and have a computer, have a AI or um, having that be automated in some facet, that would be ideal. And that's the direction we're moving. So you're starting to see a big push of GRC tools. You guys have been in the, the industry long enough to to know like that the former GRC tools were awful. They were had no, no offense if they're listening to today and I won't say any names, but today you can get a GRC tool for as little as 500 bucks a year. Like their GRC has become very commoditized and, and uh, you now have the mechanism to build controls, policies, procedures, but they are also integrating into your AWS environment. They're integrating into your HR, into your background check provider, and they're starting to do automated checks and balances to see that your, your, uh, facilitating and, and completing those and giving controls. you that visibility then right to be able to exactly. see is it is your hygiene really where it needs to be exactly and so another example is like internal audits internal audits are, are needed um, especially of your cloud environment so going and testing your configurations periodically and oftentimes that happens on an annual basis we and other companies are uh, have worked on ways to be able to automate that and to do more continuous internal audits because 
internal audits, I know the word auditor scares everybody away, but those are the good guys and gals um, because they can they can report a red flag before you go through the real test of an external audit. Um, and so uh, starting to see a, a trend in that direction as well. I would say outside of that, I think that um, technology is is uh, is expanding rapidly, uh, of course, as we all know. And so being able to have more insight into third party applications and what their security posture is, is is it's coming around the bend. We're not there yet. Right now, today, you send people on SAQ and and you have them fill out hundreds of questions and make their life miserable and you hope that they answer it truthfully, um, there, there is going to be a time when we are able to automate a good portion of that and check for the things that are actual risk objectives. If surprisingly, a lot of those SAQs haven't been updated in years. They're not tied to current risks at all. Um, they're just asking every question under the sun. And, and honestly, they're, they're a legal coverage, they're CYA uh, more than anything. Um, so that's another trend uh, that we are, are seeing um, in the industry as a whole. Yeah, I think you hit some key key points there, especially the topic of automation, right? Where the more that we can do to just kind of facilitate the customer, you know, requirements and ensuring that they're they're really being much more efficient overall. Uh, GRC was a great example of that, right? It's kind of so repetitive. Why why do we continue to do these things? And there's so many more additional opportunities to hook into these systems like HR, as you said, as being part of the whole kind of ecosystem of what GRC really should have been all along. So Taylor, you know, Talking about something that we've not discussed in all the different episodes we've done, which is really more of the SMB space, what the needs are of that space, right? And, and the business model that you've been able to, to develop and then take forward, right? I think it's just a great topic. It's a great service that you're offering back up to clients in that particular market segment. So we appreciate you coming on and sharing the story and sharing the path and journey you've taken on. And one that was very risky at the time, right? When you did it, but obviously it's worked out very well for you. So thanks again for coming on and sharing with us. Robin Sand, thank you so much for the opportunity. It seriously means a lot. Thanks, Taylor. Thanks, Taylor. Thanks for listening to the Reimagining Cyber Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you would like to have us cover a specific topic of interest, feel free to reach out to us and you can find out how in the show notes. And don't forget to subscribe. This podcast was brought to you by CyberRes, a micro-focused line of business where our mission is to deliver cyber resilience by engaging people, process, and technology to protect, detect, and evolve.